see this crash in Saul's life. This guy had it all. He had people, he had position, he had power. And in, in 921, remember of 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 21, God had declared and had put his hand upon Saul. And Saul wins this great battle when he was humble and an unknowing guy. But now we see what happens is that that pride crept in little by little, slowly and surely, and will ruin his life. Pride is a dangerously subtle weakness. In our culture, it's generally seen as a good thing. We're raised to believe that we're supposed to have a sense of pride in ourselves. But as we take a look at the example of Saul with Pastor Mark, we're reminded of just how treacherous this sinful attitude can be. Saul was anointed and placed in his position of leadership by God, but somewhere along the way, he started to think he could go it alone. He started to take all the glory for his accomplishments, and that led to his downfall. We can expect the same results if we try to live out God's mission on our own. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14 for today's edition of Come Alive. Remember last week, was it last week we were talking about how Saul and, and a few weeks before how Saul had been uh, disconnected from the Lord. He's just completely disconnected. And so Jonathan says that it happened in verse 1. It says, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go. And we talked about obstacles that tend to get in the way of our walk. Like the Lord will call you to do something and you start to do it. And all of a sudden there's this obstacle that takes that gets in front of you, that can prevent you. And, and some of us choose just to let those obstacles on. For us, we kind of compared it to the obstacle of wanting to get up and go to church, but yet we're too tired, or the alarm didn't ring in enough time, or you know, we, we have these obstacles, and it's like, you know what, just come late. It's better to come late than not come at all and miss out on what God has to say to you. Maybe God has an important message for you today. And so for those of us that tend to miss, um, those obstacles get in our way. And, and so the Lord says, come on, man, I, I want to use you. And then this big thing. And for Jonathan and those guys, it was that big rock. Remember that crevice? And they had to climb it. And then the other thing was 30,000 Philistines. Two guys and 30,000 Philistines. If I told you that today David and Frank are going to go out and they're going to fight the whole town of Brookshire... Well, let's use something that's a little more powerful. Let's say Canada, that David and Frank were going to go fight Canada today. Yeah, that's about as powerful as a Brookshire. But anyway, we, we would say that. Then what would happen is some of us would be like, well, there's no way that they're going to win. There's no possible way that these guys are going to have an opportunity to win that fight. But with God, they do. And so with Jonathan and his armor bearer, there's 30,000 people in there. And Jonathan says, hey, with God, with many or few, we can do this. So if it was just you and God, you're a majority, right? But if it's just you on your own, then you're probably not going to win. And even though Saul has 600 men with him, he doesn't win. He just kind of sits back and, and rests. And so that's kind of a review for last week. So sometimes, you know, being disconnected from God 
being away from God will cause us to have failure in our lives. And, and though life is tough, you know, those things will come, those obstacles that we've got to climb over. Now, those things that take place will get in our face, so to speak, and try to stop us. And, you know, we can blame Satan all we want, but not really. It's just an obstacle. It's just that big thing. And sometimes we make that thing bigger than what it really is. So we can either crawl over it and like Jonathan and his armor bearer, they got tore up on the other side with the thorns and the prickly things. And they went down and they fight and they only had to fight 20 people. I mean, still two and 20, you do the, I mean, they're outnumbered, but yet they win and the Lord does the rest by causing an earthquake. And we're going to pick up there and see what happens. But let me ever ask you, let me ask you this. Have you ever made a dumb decision, a misguided mistake? Some of you look at you, everybody's, yeah. And one guy over here is like, whatever. Um, uh, The kind that you end up regretting, you know, the the one that's like, man, I wish I'd have never done that. Or or you say, well, man, I wonder why that happened. Well, in Saul's case, it it was pride. Let's talk about what pride is. Uh, Webster defines pride as this. If you're taking notes, write this down. You'll you'll be amazed. Webster defines pride as the quality or state of being proud, as an inordinate self-esteem, unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority in talents, beauty, wealth, accomplishments, rank, and or office. And you might think, well, there has to be a proper kind of pride, right? Well, check this out. That's the definition of pride in 1820 Webster's Dictionary. Today, it's a little different, 190 years later. And and pride is so subtle that if we read the current definition, a sense of one's own proper dignity, value, and self-respect is what it says. Pride, a sense of one's own proper dignity, value, and self-respect. In 190 years, pride has become one of our finer points. It's amazing. See, for a Christian, there should be no place for pride. Proverbs 3.31 says, Do not envy the oppressor and choose none of his ways. For the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Surely he scorns the scornful. I like that verse. Surely he scorns the scornful. And even if you're borrowing one of our Bibles, I like that verse. Somebody might read it. But gives grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be on the legacy of fools. And so the scornful or a mocker, meaning just mocking is just kind of like mouthing. But, you know, just one of those things. It's, it's just mouthing towards something. A mocker is somebody who mouths towards something or someone. So being God's enemy, well, when you think about that, pride basically slows God's hand down. Pride will slow God's hand in our lives if we have pride. And so the scriptures tell us that there's a wise man and a fool, Jesus said. There's a wise man and a fool. The wise man hears the word of God and the fool hears and goes in. And when the fool hears it, it goes in one ear and out the other. The wise man hears it and actually does what God says to do. But the fool, well, he's kind of like, ah, you know what? I think I got it. I think I can handle it this time. And we'll see this crash in Saul's life. This guy had it all. He had people, he had position, he had power. And in, in 921, remember of 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 21, God had declared and had put his hand upon Saul. And Saul wins this great battle when he was humble and an unknowing guy. But now we see what happens is that that pride crept in little by little, slowly and surely, 
and will ruin his life. So what happens? Well, he began to believe his own press. He began to believe he was all that and more. And so he saw God using him and began to believe he was special or unique. Now, for us as Christians, you know, sometimes the Lord will use us. And you might go home that day and be like, oh, Lord, you're an awesome God. But man, I was good. Wasn't I good, Lord? And he might say, you know what? No, stop. It was all me. You're the fool. You're that foolish thing that I use to confound the wise. And nine times out of ten, we get prideful. And then you see these guys who the Lord could use in a mighty way sitting back and doing absolutely nothing. They don't move. You don't see them very often. They're absent. And so in verse 17 is where we'll pick up. Take a look there. It says, Then Saul said to the people who were with him, and remember, he's always got to be around somebody. These are the guys that are patting Saul on the back going, You're the dude. You're the guy. This is his, his little press army. He says, Now call the roll and see who has gone from us. And when they had called the roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here, for at that time the ark of God was with the children of Israel. So Saul sees his strength in something superficial. Write that down if you're taking notes. Saul sees his strength in something superficial. And you're always going to make a mistake. You will always make a mistake when you see your spiritual strength in that superficial stuff, in those things that are superficial. And so don't trust in man and make flesh your strength. And so that's what happens here. It may sound good, but if you and I are consulting with non-believers or believers who don't have a great relationship with God, well, the Proverbs tells us that a king isn't supposed to multiply wives and horses. And you might think, well, that's kind of a weird thing. Well, why not? And so, well, too many wives can draw your attention away from God. Too many horses, and back in those days, horses were a sign of military power and strength. Too many horses would make you think, well, man, look at all these. I can, I can put riders on these. I can put our, our knights and our armor, armored people on it, and we can go to war, and we're going to win. It's safety in numbers, right? We say that, and as Christians, that's true for us because we need each other. But what happens now is these guys who have too many horses tend to think that they can do anything they, they want to do, and it would be used for battle, but instead of using those horses in the way they're supposed to be, instead of trusting God, they use those horses and think that, hey, don't worry, I got this under control, I can do it myself. And so you would trust in what you have. How many of us trust in what we have? Well, you know, I got this cool car. It's a new car. It's going to get me to work. I don't have to worry about anything. I can actually wake up 15 minutes later because it's actually faster than the Yugo I used to have. I spent four more dollars and bought a Hyundai. You might be like, whoa, that's awesome. But for us to assume that because someone has more than you and I and to think that we need to get there so we can be perceived as better or equal, well, because of materialistic stuff, that's, that's crazy. Uh, then you make a huge mistake when you do that. When you start looking at your neighbor and other people around you, like, well, uh, they have it. It, it goes back to the, the, the thought that, well, just because so-and-so did it, and just because, you know, my grandmother drank two bottles of whiskey every day and lived to be 900 years old, I mean, that's the way to go. That doesn't make it right. She's different than you. Her liver was probably as big as her head, but I mean, I don't know. But I mean, when we think about those things and we try to compare ourselves to other people, we have to understand and realize we are not that other guy. 
You are not your best friend. Just because your best friend can do something. Here's how it works. When I used to skate, I had a friend that was like, well, dude, because you can do it, I can do it. Because you can jump that thing and go off those stairs and land backwards on them and still make it without falling down, I can do it. I remember the day I said, ah, you shouldn't do that. No, I can do it. If you can do it, I can do it. So my buddy said, let him do it. I was like, no, I don't want him to do it. He's going to get hurt. And sure enough, what happened? He cracked his head open. We wound up calling the hospital. I mean, the ambulance, he had to be carted away. And I remember the last thing he said to us was, why'd you let me do it? And my friend just kind of looked at him and said, because we'd never seen anybody split their head open before. And then I started chuckling and I looked at him. I was like, we just wanted to see if there was a brain inside. You've proven to us that there's not. We told you not to. What do you want us to do? Hold you? We were out to have a good time and skate. And you see these things of, well, so-and-so did it. I can do it. That's a weird way to kind of do things. As Christians, we should never do that. Our makeup, our walk with the Lord is unique. It's individual. It's different for each and every one of us. I, I cannot compare and do certain things that other people say or feel that they can do. And I warn you against doing some of those things because you can make a big mistake as well. See, you don't have that person's prayer life. You might think, well, and I've seen this happen before. A guy go out and witness and think, I'm going to go out there and witness. And he, he just showed up. He's like, man, who needs saving? Let's go get somebody saved today. Pride. Heard a good message. Listened to some good, I think it was uh, some good music. I can't remember who it was, but we listened to a bunch of Christian music and we were all pumped up and ready to go. And we were going to go witness. And he gets out of the car and stands there and looks around and is like, who needs to be saved today? Like he's going to, I was like, really? I don't even want to be near you. I was scared. I was like, this isn't going to be good for anybody. I tell you what, you go that way, I'll go this way. And so we parted ways. And later on, I heard some screaming and yelling and him running. And, and I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And he's running and I rebuke you in the name. And I see him running down the, the street in Albuquerque on Central. And I'm like, what is going on? And so these two Native Americans are chasing him. And I kind of walk up and I'm like, what's going on? And the guy's like, and the two Native Americans were just sloshed. You know, they were drunk. And I was like, what are you doing witnessing the drunk people anyway, man? I was like, yeah, they can't receive it. They don't know. And so I, we talked to them and some other friends were down there. And we all wound up talking to them and hanging out with them. And everything was okay. They quickly forgot. So when we got back in the car, I said, what were you thinking? He goes, man, he goes, I just, you know, I, t- I told them they were filled with the devil. And I put my Bible on their head and told them, you know, get out of them, Satan. And he goes, next thing, the guy punched me. Another guy was tackling me. And I was like, holy cow, bro, are you nuts? And he was like, I saw somebody do it and it worked for them. I was like, but you're not them. I was scared. Another friend brought somebody home one time after doing something like that. I said, man, I don't think that's a good idea. Oh, no, dude, he got saved. It's a good idea. We're going to baptize him in my bathtub. And I'm all like, bro, that's not a good idea. You can baptize him in the public pool tomorrow or something. No, 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 he needs a place to stay. He's a homeless guy. All right, so drop me off. Drop me off at my house. A couple hours later, my phone rings. I answer the phone. Hello? Mark, you got to get over here. What's up, dude? That dude, he's, he's in the hallway. He's stealing stuff out of my closet. The dude you brought home? Yeah, that's him. Man, I ain't got a ride. Remember, you dropped me off. Call Billy. So he calls our friend Billy, and Billy runs over, and sure enough, this guy had stacked this dude's stuff and started cleaning his house out. So why'd you do that? Well, most people I know do that. Bring people home, give them a place to live so they can baptize them in their bathtub, and they can walk with Jesus. It's like, but you're not them. You're not them. And so that's what happens. 
You don't know that person's prayer life. You don't know that person's marriage, if that marriage is good or not. Uh, what's going on in their life. Just because they're here at church and they're those smiley, happy, sunny people doesn't necessarily mean everything's going good in the household. That everything's right. And so just because they have the vocabulary or the goods, well, that doesn't mean that they're close to God. Just because they have the real men love Jesus sticker or the fish on the back of the car, that, that doesn't mean they're close to God. So we need to be careful that we try to compare ourselves to others and try to do things like other people do and try to just follow instead of, you know what, just going to the Lord and saying, hey, here I am. Work on me. Change me. Not my situation, not my circumstance, but me. Remember when Jesus was asleep in the boat and his disciples were going through that storm and the disciples were close to Jesus, right? They were close to Jesus and there's a storm, but they're all freaking out. See, sometimes that's okay. Jesus wants us close to him. God wants us close to him and it's okay to freak out. Say, hey, Lord, and they go to him. They go to the right place. He's like, oh, man, you guys, let me quiet this storm for you so I can finish with my nap. They were close to God. Sometimes God's perfect will for you is in a storm, going through a trial, going through a hard time. Why? That's how he grows you. Remember the illustration about the little girl and the cake? And somebody wanted some cake, and the mom's like, here, eat some oil. Oh, that's gross. Have some raw eggs. Oh, that's gross. Well, you got to put all that stuff together. And what makes the cake? Heat. Heat. It kills off all the bad stuff. Anybody eating raw pork lately? My wife was reading something. She was freaking out. She's like, oh, raw pork, man. Some of those tapeworm larvae, they get up in your brain. And they'll just start eating at your brain. And it doesn't turn into a worm. It just stays a larvae and just keeps eating your brain. And then you die. And I was like, no wonder she burns every... No, I'm kidding. I was like, man, no wonder she overcooks her meat and she doesn't like anything, you know, medium well. So I was like, man, that makes perfect sense. Heat. Heat will kill those bad things that could eat at you, that can destroy you. And so just because something looks great doesn't mean it's blessed by the Lord. Just because there's a big house on the hill. In Dallas, we used to drive by these uh, big ranches and they'd say amazing grace. And then other ones would say something else. And I was like, I wonder if everything's really good in that household. Or if they just got those cool verses on the gates of their gigantic ranches. Wonder. I wonder. Saul, it doesn't matter how many people you have. If he was called me on the phone, I'd be like, Saul, it doesn't matter how many people you have, 600, 2,000. If God is for you, there's nobody that can be against you. But Saul, if you're disconnected from God, good luck, bro. You're going to need all the people you can get, and guess what? You're going to take them down with you. See, God is looking for spirit. We witnessed last week with Jonathan, two against 30,000. It doesn't matter how many or how strong, but what matters is how big your hearts are and how big your faith is. How big is your heart and how big is your faith? If you place your strength in superficial things, then your strength will be in this Bible study. It'll be in your Bible. It'll be in your music, your Christian music. It'll be in something It won't be in God. It'll be in those things that kind of make you feel good and happy. A new Bible might make you feel good. Oh, man, this new Bible, it's going to, oh, I'm going to get so close to the Lord with it. Because that one's all ratted up, got duct tape on it. It's not close to the Lord. This one is new. It feels like leather. It's not, but it's good. Except my coffee cup, it won't stay. Oh, man, it's going to be awesome. And that new song, oh, man, I'm going to be worshiping God. I'm going to be reading this new Bible. And uh, my walk's going to be amazing. It's like, no. Not stuff. Not stuff. You might say, I get close to the Lord when I listen to that CD or listen to that message or sit in a Bible study. No, 
You don't get close to the Lord when you, when you do all that. I mean, all that's part of it, but how close you get is unaided by anything, right? How close you get is unaided by anything. When we draw close to God, he runs from us. And it's like, no, 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 don't get close to me. Because you're, you're sinning. You're just trying to do things. You're trying to look close to me. I want you to be close to me. I want to draw close to you. So when God draws close to us, or when we draw close to him, he draws close to us. But it's like it's not the way it works when we use CDs and stuff. Now, all that's important to help, but it's not the source. The source is God himself. Look at verse 18. And Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of God here, for at that time the ark of God was with the children of Israel. And now it happened while Saul talked to the priest that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. So Saul is now calling for the ark. Again, here's this, this crazy, remember that when this happened the last time? Oh, we're going to go to battle. Well, let's get the ark and go to battle. It happened with Eli's sons. Wherever the ark went, usually the Israels had victory. And so, except for when we start to use that thing as a lucky rabbit's foot. And so the ark is kind of stashed away there in Israel, but now that Saul needs it, well, it's like this. Saul was, you know, disconnected from God, no quiet time, no communication. There was not any reliance upon God. And now all of a sudden, now that there's hard times and trouble on their horizon, well, let's bring out God. You know, life's not going good. I heard I might get laid off. You know, the car broke down and air conditioning's going out. Kids, they're running crazy. All right, let's get out the Bible. We need God. Well, where where was he? You had him stashed away somewhere and put him up in the good times? Oh, yeah. He's a bummer, dude. He doesn't let us do what we want to do in the good times. When the money's there, I mean, if I talked to God every day, he wouldn't have let me buy that. Well, that third 62-inch TV to put in the living room so I can have three of them to watch three different programs, even though i got all those little screens on that. I mean, I can watch literally 15 different shows at one time. But if I'd have went to God, he'd have said no to the first one. But times are tough. We need him. Let's break him out. That's what Saul's doing here. Saul is treating spiritual things as tokens of fortune. If you're taking notes, write that down. Treating spiritual things as tokens of fortune. Idolatry is what that is. I remember uh, my great aunt, she had a dashboard Mary. That's what me and my brother used to call her. It just stuck her right on the middle of the dashboard. And we'd sit there and look at it and like, what is that for? For protection, Hito. And Pita, I don't know if you know this, but that's a little bitty statue. What, are you going to throw it in front of somebody and trip them? Or I don't know. Somebody's going to carjack us, you toss it at them and drive off? What, how's that work? No, we pray to the Virgin. Ouch. The people we meet in the book of 1 Samuel are quite the characters. We meet a woman who gave her only child to God and a boy who heard and answered the call of the Lord. We also find a frightened king and a brave shepherd boy, both of whom would lead the people of Israel. Through each of these people and circumstances, we discover God's hand at work in powerful ways. We are so glad you tuned in today to Come Alive. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play or iTunes to keep up to date with the latest from Come Alive and the church behind it. Calvary Chapel Katy is led by Pastor Mark Martinez and a staff of Jesus-loving, friendly people who do all we can to spread the good news of the gospel to all who walk through our doors. If you're in the Katy area, Tracy has an invitation for you. We'd absolutely love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Katy for our Sunday morning service. 
We're now meeting at Wood Creek Elementary School, located at 1155 Wood Creek Bend Lane. It's exciting to be in a new space, and we hope you're able to come worship the Savior and study the Bible with us, filling our new home with praise and prayer. Give us a call for more information and directions, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Our phone number is 281-391-5503. That's 281-391-5503. Thanks for listening today to Come Alive.